This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hello, everybody. Good morning, Podcast Movement. How's everybody doing? I feel hot up here. Is it hot? No, but good. It's not hot? Okay. okay. Um, my name is Matt Kellogg. I am the VP of Business Development for SoundStack. We are the proud sponsor of the Solution Stage this week, and we have a, a tremendous slate of panels that are going to be going on here. As you well know, there's panels going on everywhere. But I think one of the things that makes me so excited about being here is, is just the booths, the busyness, the fun stuff that's going on. I don't know about you, but I need a lot more caffeine. So what we're going to do throughout the day, throughout these next couple of days, is try and, try and caffeinate as many of you as we possibly can with our knowledge. But we might have some coffee stuff too. So our first session today, which we're really excited about, is called How to Manage Your Business Between Walled Gardens. And I would now like to introduce the presenter for this session, the CRO at SoundStack, our very own Rocky Thomas. Hey, thanks, Matt. How's it going, everyone? All right, I'm gonna come down here just because up there seems a little weird and I'm gonna be talking over on this side. So I do have some graphics, so you guys might have to kind of come up a little bit and I thought it was gonna be a bigger screen. So I'm Rocky, um, let's go ahead and talk about this. So my entire career, I have had one mission and then we're going talking like long time, is how to make digital audio viable, profitable medium for creators. I will tell you that um, I've had a lot of failures, a lot of failures. I started uh, doing audio ad insertion back in 99. Um, unfortunately, the bomb happened, that didn't work. Went into doing audio ad networks, and then all of a sudden we started seeing standards start happening. And this is when I was at Tribune, we started doing display programmatic, and then, we started getting into AdWave and everything else, and we we're starting to see some really good cohesion now because we have standards of transacting business now. But before we talk about walled gardens, I gotta talk about dynamic ad insertion and programmatic first because that's really gonna set us up. This was so exciting for me to see, and I'll tell you because this has been a challenge, is dynamic ad insertion is really just a way to a technical way of getting ads into your podcast. For a long time, people have not liked dynamic ad insertion. And I don't care if it's a live read, fake in, or what have you. What's been real exciting is to see the jump in the past two years of people finally understanding why this is such a important part of your business. So why dynamic ad insertion? Bottom line, Spray and pray is no longer a marketing strategy. So this is something that a lot of broadcasters used to do, you know, one to many. Well, what, that, what we found is that advertisers really want to have a little bit more data, more knowledge about what's going on with their campaign so they can effectively manage their clients, which are the advertisers. So this is what dynamic ad insertion allows you to do is to really have that one-to-one -one target. So I have to remind you is that when someone's listening to a podcast episode that's dynamically inserted, that means that someone in California, somebody in Detroit, somebody someplace else is gonna be hearing a different ad. It's gonna be tailored to them. And I'll be honest with you, I don't need any more O'Reilly ads sent to me. 
You tell me about skiing. You tell me about how to make my kids smarter. You tell me about a good sale at Macy's. I'm probably going to be in on that. But that's what we want to be doing with dynamic ad insertions, making it relevant to you. So that's why we all do this. As I was saying, relevant advertising is better for the listener, the advertiser, and publisher. It is the mutual win-win-win that we all love to go ahead and see. There are so many other reasons for podcasters to get on the DIA train. And I just feel like Lebowski when people talk to me, because I really have been talking to podcasters for 12 years about this. I just like, guys, just deploy it and try it. It doesn't mean that you have to do it forever, but the fact that you're not even embracing new technology when we're kind of doing technology, it makes me a little bit sad because I think there's a lot of ways that all types of podcasters from long tail up to very large um, publishers can really get on and, and out really optimize their revenue. Easier production flow. Um, you don't need to reproduce ads with dynamic ad insertion. I'm going to tell you a very crazy story. So let's see, probably about five years ago, I deployed a very, very large podcast network on dynamic ad insertion. And they had 10 years of producing episodes every week with eight shows. So it was about 88,000 episodes they had. And the thing that was interesting is that 45% of their monthly downloads came from back catalog. So that means, so they had evergreen content. So not every, this doesn't pertain to everybody. So when they came on and started to utilize dynamic ad insertion, it took four interns, four months, 40 hours a week to basically reproduce every single one of those shows. So this is why I say, for the love of God, if you're going to listen to me on one thing, mark your ads, okay? Or mark your break. Even if you're doing embedded, throw something in there, um, a metadata marker, anything, a production element, because if you have to go back and do this, trust me, you don't, it's, it's so frustrating to go back and do this. And then what happens is it slows down your entire deployment of any type of technology. So please, make sure that you are marking, even if you're doing embedded or faked in or stitched in or wherever you want, make sure you're going ahead and doing that. The other reason I say is there's a higher CPM with dynamic ad insertion as well as programmatic. A lot of people call bullshit on this, so I'm going to go ahead and give you an entire example. All right, so in one month, if you're doing embedded ads, an episode gets 100,000 downloads per month. You stitch in one ad and for $1,800, okay? Your first month, you make an $18 CPM. In a year, typically, this is an average, depending if you're doing currents or if you're doing evergreen content, 30% of the show's total downloads are in back catalog. So in one year, that stitched ad is now a $4.18 CPM. So, of course, the advertisers want you to stitch that in. You guys know that, right? Because you have perpetual, it's gonna be there forever. But I'll tell you, a 2012 Prius ad does nobody any good. It doesn't do them good, it doesn't do you good, and it doesn't do your listeners good. So keep your advertising relevant. Look at it as it like content. It is content. Have pride in what you guys are doing. So lastly, DA, dynamic ad insertion. And I'm from Denver, so I always wanna see DIA, because that's our airport, so DAI is really hard for me to say. Allows you to yield optimize. It's a fancy word for basically, how do you bank the most money out of your inventory? And yes, you should be inserting your baked in, they call them faked in now, where you basically pre-produce the ad. And then I'll tell you that the other thing about doing faked ins is that I will say personal endorsement guys, they tend to get long in the tooth. 
they'll go on for two minutes thinking that everybody wants to hear about, you know, some sort of new vegetables or, you know, some sort of supplement for two, like two minutes. They don't. Be efficient. If you're going to go ahead and do personal endorsement, get in and out of it, make sure you're holding on to a clock. But wait, there's more. You get to transact programmatically. And this is the evil hot word of, of podcasts. Um, for many years, I was like, considered like the Donald J. Trump of this industry, but I'm going to tell you that this is the reason why you want to get into this. Why? A lot of people say that it's the quick race to the bottom. Wrong. It's so not. What we've been seeing is the opposite. There are so many advertisers who are looking to be buying podcasts right now. We actually have what's called a supply problem. We actually have more advertisers than we have supply on programmatic channels. Now, why is this? Well, you have a big brand like Unilever or Johnson Johnson. They have huge teams that basically buy multiple types of medium. They buy display. They buy video. They want to buy audio, and they definitely want to be buying podcasts. What they don't want to be doing is swivel chairing to another way to go ahead and buy a new type of medium. They want it to be easy. Do you blame them? We all like easier, and, we, and they want to also be able to track all of their data in one place. So this is another reason why we need to get involved in this. Another one, the ads are sloppy, they don't match, they sound like radio. They're too commercialized. Well, I'm going to tell you that's the publisher's problem. And I'm going to say this because on all of the platforms that are out there, you get to go ahead and choose if you want that ad. It's called ad review. Yes, I like it. No, I don't like it. I don't want anything from a political domain, like political category. I don't want anything from alcohol. You can block categories. You can block domains. So really, at the end of the day, it's up to you to manage what you want to have playing on your air. It's only for the top 5% shows. This is another one that I hear, and that's wrong as well. Our company, Soundstack, has just integrated with Blueberry for one reason. And that, well, a lot of reasons. Plus, because I've known Todd forever, he's really cool. But the main reason is because it allows us to start enabling the long tail of podcasters into programmatic. We want diversity. Why do we want more smaller shows? Because if you're a buyer and you just buy, say, the biggest show like Joe Rogan, you're basically going to not have as much reach. That means unique people, unique. Now, if you have smaller podcast shows, you start to reach people because you don't have duplication within each of those podcasts. So this is why, I'm not saying top five shows are bad. We all want to be one. I'm just saying that really there's an opportunity for the long tail in podcasting to be getting into programmatic. Everyone says host spread is better. Well... Yeah, sometimes it is, but I think yesterday, and we haven't downloaded it, go to the Sounds Profitable website. Um, Tom Webster did an awesome uh, study about um, basically personal endorsement, or what we call live reads. Uh, the host read and then an announcer read, and what he found in his research is really, it's not that much different. We're talking negligible, like one or 2%. And so it's, I think it's great to do personal endorsement. I'll tell you that when I first started in radio years ago, I didn't have a list, and so I did personal endorsement. I interviewed everyone in the on-air guys, found out where they ate, slept, drank, where they took their family. Then I went out with headshots, and I basically did personal endorsement that way because I felt they were already passionate about the product or whatever they're doing, and it worked really well. It was my entire list. 
the thing is, is that they had to get that personal endorsement done in 30 seconds because they held on to clocks. Be efficient with your creative. Don't let your on-air host wax poetic because all it does is bore the listener and it makes it actually have a reverse effect on your commercial. So this is why I always suggest. So you basically have three type of uh, podcast ads. You have the host read, which I always say, hey, if you want to embed it, that's fine. Just tag it. Go ahead and embed it, but make sure you tag it. And um, it has an implied endorsement. Usually it's someone who slept on the mattress, ate the product, did whatever. That's fine. Use that for your direct sales, guys. Take that like the one-to-one, -one, like, you know, work with some of the, the great agencies around here that have that and deal with that directly. That's how you're going to make the most money. Now, the second one, you can do either way. You can do an embedded or stitched in or DIA. Um, that you can transact, transact either directly or programmatically, and I'll get into that a little bit. And then there's the brand produced ones. And that is like where I would suggest you do totally through programmatic sales channel. Think of it as like third party demand. It's a way of making sure that every one of your impressions are filled. Demand diversity means your podcast should have a mix of direct advertisers and programmatic advertisers all inserted dynamically. And demand diversity is the key to more money and less listener burnout. That personal endorsement ad that I hear over and over. I mean, on-air hosts are great and producers, but there's only, only so many ways you can mix up 10 creative points, guys. You know, that starts to burn out on the listener as well. So by having demand diversity, it actually minimizes listener burnout. So I'm going to get some little econ on you because I'm an econ kind of girl. Demand diversity is important because the more, the more diverse demand partners you have, the higher sell-through rate. The higher sell-through rate you have, the more supply constriction, and the higher supply constriction increases CPMs. This is why I have proven in this industry that programmatic, in combination with direct as well as dynamic ad insertion, actually has been increasing CPMs. It's because we have supply constriction, which is a beautiful thing. This is something I always have to remind people, is that um, we're in a perishable product medium. I can't go ahead and mark down my sweater. I can't mark down you know, anything that you can in a traditional retail store. We are in a perishable part. That means when that ad goes, goes away, we don't have an opportunity to basically make money off of that. Programmatic and dynamic ad insertion allows you to take that opportunity and monetize it at the point that it's being ingested. You cannot mark down products when it comes to, we're in a linear business, as I like to say. All right, now we're gonna go into programmatic. I know you're like, I thought you were talking about programmatic. Actually, I was talking more about dynamic ad insertion. So now, all programmatic is, is a digital construct to traffic, manage, and optimize advertising between podcaster and the advertiser. So what does that mean? In the olden days, we used to traffic, or actually a lot of people still do this, you, if you're working in a radio station or if you're working on direct sales, there's a person called an ad ops person and they have a console and they put in the flighting, like Monday through Friday, I want it here, I want it here, and all this other stuff. What programmatic allows is advertisers to do that job. I'm not gonna lie to you, that's awesome. Let them go ahead and traffic it, let them possibly make their own mistakes and let them swap out their creative. No longer will you go ahead and get a phone call on Friday night when you're hanging out with your people going, I need to switch out the creative for Monday. They take care of it. And how does that happen? It's through the stack components. Now, I know this looks really scary. I'm gonna go through this really quick so you guys can understand. 
Okay, so the brand, let's go ahead and say it's Unilever or Dove. All right. They have an agency that basically places all of their buys. The agency, sometimes, they, this is combined. It's called a trading desk or a demand side platform. The agency places that buy. This is how worthy traffic is right here, guys. Then from a demand side platform, sometimes it goes directly to a supply side platform. Supply is publishers. Okay, that's, that's the podcasters over here. Advertisers, podcasters. Sometimes it goes into an ad exchange. Very rarely do we see this. This is called a uh, data management platform, and we're starting to see less of this. That's like taking, uh, I, uh, I tend to be like an outdoor enthusiast. It's where they start putting behavioral targeting around you. Right now, we're not even in there yet because we're still transacting, you know, I would say in an emerging way. Then it goes to the publishers and ad server, which you'll hear talk, and then it goes to the listener. So really, a lot of companies around here, they, are, they either have an ad exchange or they have an SSP or they have an ad server. These are really the three components or even one component, you actually an ad server, that you really need to go ahead and transact to go ahead and get to the listener. All of this stuff you can look up. The IEB has IEB is the Interactive Advertising Bureau, which I help co-chair a lot of committees. I'm a big fan of education. I used to be a teacher. So I really want to go ahead and make sure you can look all this up and find me on LinkedIn. I'll explain this to anybody. I've been doing it for a long time. All right, so there's three, within programmatic, there's basically three common ways we've been seeing in audio how this works. So programmatic guaranteed, and these are all Googleable terms, guys. That just basically means that I'm basically doing a direct deal. Like, hi, Casper Mattress. We're going to go ahead just like you normally would. But instead of you giving me the ad and I'm trafficking it, I'm just going to go ahead and Casper Mattress is just going to go ahead and traffic it on their side. You have a set rate. You, you agree on the CPM. You agree on the term. Guys, it's just like doing business directly, except it's being transacted in a programmatic way. Then we have something called private marketplaces. So that's where publishers place their inventory into a marketplace and buyers get to bid on the publisher inventory. This is where everybody thinks that we're seeing lower CPMs. And actually, it's the opposite. Because when you have people bidding on your inventory, you actually think of it like eBay, where it's, you start seeing an auction mentality start to happen. This is what, and, and it, sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, just like anything with economics. But you're going to start to see that, especially during, like, I don't know, Christmas and holidays and where they're trying to really push their product, you'll start seeing your CPMs going up tremendously because there's a lack of supply and a lot of demand. So this is what this is called private marketplaces. And then we have audio ad network and marketplaces. Soundstack runs one. Um, Blueberry also has one as well. This is a great place for long-tail publishers to be like, ugh. I don't even know where to start in programmatic. I don't even know where to go. But I want to go ahead and start getting in there. I have inventory that's not sold. I want to go ahead and start transacting in the very basic way programmatically. And what's great about this is that we have the company or the marketplace takes care of all of the ads. They do the ad approval for you. They basically do everything, and you, you get a check at the end of the month. There is typically a revenue share. I'm totally open about business models. Typically, it's between 20 and 30%, sometimes 40%, depending on if they're providing hosting for you or anything else. But what you don't, ha you don't have to do anything except for, I don't know, create your podcast, which is really exciting. 
So the challenges, sorry, this is a little bit small for you people in the back, I'll go and read it to you. These are the challenges I'm seeing right now. We have a lack of ad tech knowledge in general. We have a limited access to platforms who fully support dynamic ad insertion. When I say platforms, I'm talking about your host. I'm talking about your content management systems. And we also have a lack of access to supply side platforms. And I'll say this is the big one. And um, guy, uh, Brian from Assange Profile is talking about this. What's, what's YO? That's yield optimization. So um, in radio, we usually have people called program directors that manage the clock of a radio station. What we've been seeing in podcasts is there's really nobody who is, and then and also in radio, we had a national sales manager that would take care of third-party demand, like non-direct demand. And the challenge is that in, in podcasts, there's really nobody there doing this. So um, if you do have the opportunity to find somebody who is into that, that would probably be really smart to start looking at having people manage your, your overall sales in concert with programmatic advertising. Now... I'm finally getting to walled gardens. And why did I have to go ahead and set that table so big? Because walled gardens are kind of a new thing a little bit in our space, and a lot of people are still trying to figure out programmatic. So walled gardens drive listenerships on platforms. So some people would be like, oh, the Rogan deal is a walled garden. You can only listen to him on Spotify. Blah, blah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, it's not a new model, guys. This is like an old school one from TV. So um, you have the creation, so that would be the podcast, you know, the people who create it. You have the aggregation, think of it like a channel, like Spotify. You have the distribution, which is on us for podcasts. It's your, it's your internet connection. It's T-Mobile. I just got Starlink. I'm so geeked because that's Elon Musk's new satellite stuff, and I live in the middle of nowhere, and I actually have more than a six meg download. So anyways, it actually does work really well. Uh, hopefully, it, it will still be working in the past couple of years. And then you have consumption. So you have your smart speakers, you have you know, Apple, you have all you know, like Google phones. But I'll tell you guys, this is nothing new. So when people freak out about like Spotify doing what they're doing over there, they have really nice spa water, by the way. So whatever they're doing, this is, this is not new. What is new is we're starting to see a walled garden happening on ad tech. Okay, so ad technology. I'm going to tell you, you're confused a little bit, I'll try to bring this back down. So, in display, you don't have to host with Google to get Google ads. Okay, you don't have to host there. You just go ahead and sign up, what they call AdX, you know, or any, you can, and basically you put, your web, you put your website in there, you set up your ad zones, and Google doesn't require you to host there with Google to serve their ads. And podcasts were a little bit different. So once you're on a stack, that can be your content management system, that could be your host, um, they tend to lock in your inventory because a dynamic ad insertion happens here. All right? And we're seeing more and more of this, which at Soundstack, we just, we just don't, I wouldn't say we don't like it, we, because we don't do this, because our idea is actually the complete opposite. What we want to do is make it easy and be able to transact with any, uh, without any borders. Now, these, when you're like, what the heck is VAST and OpenRTV? VAST is a video ad-serving template, and OpenRTV is an open real-time bidding platform. We already have standards already today, guys. 
the challenge is, is that every podcast platform thinks it's unique and has its own interpretation. They think they're special. So it was just unfortunate because the reason why we have standards is so it makes it easy for everybody to transact. And so what we need to be looking at from, a, from your host standpoint is making sure they're integrating these to the standard that's out there already. So how do we fix this as an industry? We have, um, we have inoperability of standards and we also need to um, overall you know, like democratize the, the access to audio ad tech which a lot of us have been working on. I'll, sometimes I'm not real popular certain, with certain companies because we are kind of like, uh, it's a strategy and it's not one I think it's really healthy for our overall podcast ecosystem. We want everybody to get in here. I don't care how big or small you are, I wanna work with you. We, I mean, we are IEB certified on, on stats. I, I helped like form that, uh, that standard six years ago at the committee, so some people hate me or like me for that too, but I think we all need to be speaking the same language. We all need to be adhering to standards because that is how we are able to grow this industry overall. So how do you hedge this garden? Your podcast host, this is what you should be asking your podcast host. And when I say host, sometimes that's also the content management system, is you have to ask them, can I sell my inventory to other folks? Or do you provide vast enablement? Do you provide the ability to prioritize vast tags? And how can you configure? I know this is really geeky, guys, so take a picture. You don't need to know these answers. You just be asking the question. They all should be saying yes, 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 yes. And can you provide configurable timeout thresholds for rendering third-party ads? So what's been really interesting as we've been getting through here is that everybody's sometimes on the reporting side. So I serve an ad. Now the advertiser wants to know in pretty much near real time that that ad served. Why is that important? Because if you're running a campaign, you don't want to be over delivering your ads. So this is what we're seeing here is this is where we're having the most problem. Sometimes it's 24 hours before they even send back an ad report. And that's, it's not, that's not going to be acceptable to any of the big brands. So this is stuff we, also you need to ask, I should have put this on here, if your host is dynamically ad DAI enabled. Um, when I say dynamically add, inserted, enable, I'm talking one-to-one, -one, not one-to-many. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, we do dynamic ad insertion. We put an ad in, and everyone hears the same ad. That's not dynamic ad insertion. That's just putting an ad in with an ad server that's all going. Think of it like a broadcast where you're putting one ad, and it's going to everybody. You have got to ask if they actually do one-to-one -one dynamic ad insertion. So in conclusion... What we need to be doing is working towards standards that allow podcasters to connect and transact their inventory in any way they choose without barriers. I feel like screaming freedom from Barry Braveheart because that's really what we need to be doing is that in making sure that you are able to transact in a direct way, embedded way, programmatic, any way you need to because everybody's strategy is different. There's not one way or no way. And that is all I have for you and I'll take questions. Any questions? Well, right on. We have it right there. Hello. Okay. Oh, hold on one second, because it's loud. That's okay. You're gonna be our beta tester. Okay. There we go. Um, so right now. 
I think data with podcasting is pretty primitive. And we've talked a lot about how there's this opportunity to democratize access to the data that we have. If you were to give advice to people who are building platforms, um, where do you think there are opportunities to enhance the data or the attribution that we're providing to publishers and to podcasters? So are you saying that for the publishers to have, to be able to provide that data to demand partners? I would say, go, go the IEB. Let's not make this like crazy. Go the IEB. They have actually a standards of data attributes. If we at least start to work with like, there's 30 of them. Start with the 10, geo, location, device. Um, let's see, would be another one that uh, a big one is like, even like where, how they're listing like the iOS. All of these are already listed at the IEB. It's like we have, podcast is special. I say that because it is, it reminds me of, it's, it's episodic, it's storytelling. I love podcasting, it's, it's great. It reminds me of like Little Orphan Annie in the 1940s and how we used to do really cool stuff with audio. It's theater of the mind, but we're special, but, and I'm not saying get rid of the specialness, but we have to adopt and not make the advertisers adapt. So if we can try to stay within the constructs, of what's already been like transacting and displaying video, I think it's gonna be a way that we're gonna go ahead and go. Because what we don't wanna do is have to re-educate the advertisers on how to buy us. We want to try to translate in a way that works with them. That would be my biggest suggestion. I feel, I totally hear what you're saying about sort of meeting advertisers where they are and how they're buying ads across so many other platforms where podcasting feels like we're decades behind and it's really frustrating. Um, but I think a lot of a large part that's due to lack of data and insight about the audience because of the platforms where audiences are listening. You know, Apple doesn't share data with the FBI, so they're certainly not telling us who's listening to our podcasts. So how do you sort of see that playing out in the future? I mean, I think switching to streaming audio is helpful and platforms that do share more insight, but how do you think that factors into sort of the future of the advertising side of the business? I think we're seeing a lot of like we call like prefix attribution, which I think definitely helps out. I also think that you know it is really frustrating with Apple, but I will tell you though, the beautiful thing about server-side ad insertion, and I won't even go down. I could have gone down a whole other fork about a dynamic ad insertion because there's client-side and there's server-side. Server-side ad insertion, you're able to actually, no matter if you're on Apple or anywhere, you actually get all the data. And so when I was talking to creators and podcasts, I'm like, even if you only run like small campaigns, you can actually run reports. We used to call, like, we used to do like one pixel campaigns just to basically do like kind of like a ping of where people are listening and use the ad server to basically get information about the data because ad servers are actually a lot better than a lot of analytics platforms and actually learning where your people are listening, how they're consuming because we have all the targeting capabilities. So I mean, to answer your question is that A, make sure you're working with a company that provides that type of information and, and I would say an ad server is probably one of the better ways to go and do that in the immediate time. Honestly, I think that most of this is going to go to progressive streaming, and just so you guys know what that is. So there's download, and then there's progressive streaming. So what's a progressive stream? You guys ever go to YouTube and see the content chunks? They kind of go like this. 
Well, that's what happens on podcasts when you're typically listening like on a platform like Spotify or anything else. You start seeing that it's, it's fed to you in chunks. And that's a way of efficiency for like, you know, CDN and everything else. But when you're seeing that, we're able to get all the information and listening information. Problem with download, as you guys all know, once it goes, it gets downloaded, you don't know what's going to happen to it. And that's always been the challenge. That's why we did the standard for, you know, one minute of listening to Critic and all this other stuff over the IEB. So that's one reason. Any other questions? Hi, great presentation. Oh, thank um, you. I'm more of a basic uh, kind of dynamic ad insertion question because I'm kind of newer to this field. So um, basically in the beginning of your presentation, you mentioned that, you know, different listeners, they can get different ads that are mm -hmm. inserted because you and I have made, may have different interests. Um, for the folks that are generating these ads, mm -hmm. are they solely relying on the data of the user? For instance, my shopping trends, like what type of stuff I'm doing on my phone, or are they actually doing some sort of data mining from the actual, um, or topic mining from the actual podcast the person is engaged with? So for instance, if I'm listening to a horror podcast, it's tagged with metadata, horror, I don't know, thriller, 18 plus, I don't know, something like that. I'm going to use a combination of that plus my own insight. That is or? such a good question. Oh my gosh, it's a really great question. So there's a couple ways that they target. One is I call category targeting like, um, or audience targeting. I want all of the people listening to finance podcasts because there might be a bank. So they're going to target all, this is why your category is really important with, uh, with what we have with Apple and how you categorize it. So I'm going to be a finance podcast. I just want to target finance people. Then there's some people who are like, I want to target finance people who are in LA because I'm opening up an office in LA. So they'll go ahead and then target for a based on, and that's actually your head, it's your header information. It's basically what is, it's already been transacted. It does a geolocation on that. I know everyone gets freaked out about IPs and stuff, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of push on doing lot and latitude instead of IPs. And actually, that freaks me out a little bit more. I don't know if you guys have Live 360. That's how I watch my kids and stuff. It's like, it's like, tri it's trippy. You can like watch them walking. I was trying to track my husband last night. I was like, where is he? Down at the bar? So it's, it's crazy. That scares me more than having an IP address where you need a script kitty with a data mine to figure out on how to triangulate that back to my house. And by the way, the IP puts my house on like two mountains over in Colorado. It's not even accurate. So it's interesting how sometimes people don't understand the really back end of the technology. And I will say, so to answer your question, there's a lot of information that's passed on that first response. Usually it's um, sometimes like a location, a general location, nothing like, like I'm sitting right here. Um, it usually tells you the, like how you're listening, the I, like your OS. Um, sometimes it also tells you like what kind of player, like I'm listening on Apple Core Media, which is usually Apple. Am I listening on Chrome? Am I listening in like all these different areas? That's usually already like what I call table stakes. It's when you start getting into the data management platform where they start doing lookalikes where they're like, oh, I went shopping there, therefore I like this. It's called probabilistic, meaning they're kind of guessing what your intentions are. It's gotten a lot better. I mean, 10 years ago, they had me as a 68-year-old male. I don't know what the heck that means about my, I guess I, I, guess I, I, I surf way too many, like, I guess, econ stuff. I don't know. But it's gotten a lot better. Now they've actually figured out, hey. And actually, I don't mind that. And then why is people like, why am I not like mining advertising? Because I know advertising is how we need to pay creators. And I'd rather have it. I mean, I'm a sucker for my feed and Insta. 
I bought two things. I mean, I'm like, it's actually pretty good. I was like, you know, so I think that we have to stop demonizing advertising when it's being personalized because at least I understand the intention. I get a little bit more freaked out when like it's a government or somebody doing it because I don't know what their intention is on that. At least I know it's for, they're trying to sell me something. Any other questions? Hey guys, thank you so much for showing up. I appreciate it. I know this is geeky, so I totally appreciate it. Thank you so much.